0: everyone it's david and brent here thursday december um, <laughs> 17th i'm looking right at the date and time and i'm having a hard time speaking that so hey uh thanks for joining us again this week getting close to the end of 2020 and so we're wrapping up with some things that we're thinking about and things that are on our mind brent rewrote the 2020 ag year in review We're going to talk through a few of those key points for our listeners, and we have a few articles that tie into this that we posted this week, so we'll tie that out. So, Brent, I'll let you go first. What was the big story on your mind from the year that was 2020?
1: Boy, it is a a hard list. I mean, it was really hard to kind of narrow this down to anything that looked. Like a short list because of all the stuff that went on. But clearly, I think in my mind, you know, COVID is the major story. It started as something that we knew about early in the year, you know, January, February. And, you know, I remember going to meetings that time of year and being a little like, starting to get a little bit concerned about it. And having a pretty good idea it was probably coming to the United States, but the thing that I did not appreciate at all, you know, I really underappreciated was just, you know, how big the impact was going to be on our economy and everything else.
0: I'll add to that, right? Even when we were talking about it, I was flat wrong. Even when we were in the throes of the shutdown... I thought we would have a sh- more robust recovery. And so even I uh, I made some bold predictions about this type of stuff all throughout. And I was wrong. And the timing has always been hard on this. So the magnitude and the timing has been kind of hard to keep our minds uh, straight with. So Brent, I'll take the next one. And I'm gonna jump over and talk about another topic. Phase one trade agreement. So much enthusiasm last winter when we were meeting with producers about the phase one trade agreement. And it was, of course, 18 months after those first soybean tariffs. We got that phase one signed. And there's a couple things in history, right? Soybeans did not rally after that happened. In fact, they trended lower all the way to the pandemic. Now they've recovered here recently. But there wasn't this sharp uptick. You mentioned earlier that when we put the tariffs in place, we went sharply lower. We took the phase one trade agreement and they didn't really change. Second thing is tariffs are still in place. So that's an interesting observation. They're just sort of waiving them for the moment. And it's interesting because we took a look at China's recent purchases activity. But China's purchase of soybeans and ag products was pretty lackluster for, I don't know, the first seven or eight months of the year. And there's a couple things going on, right? Soybeans are a huge part of total China purchases Soybean purchases are very seasonal. About 50% happened in the last quarter of a year. Another 25% happened in January and February. So, China didn't purchase soybeans in January and February or didn't purchase many. And it just took a long grind. But now we're looking at cumulative soybean purchases out of the trade war rut. And we're starting to get back to 2017 and 2016 levels. Total Chinese purchases right now are at 18 billion, which is above. Sixteen and seventeen levels makes that thirty-five billion we had within the forecast network seem like a stretch goal. Probably going to come eight to ten billion short of that. But hey, China is back. Don't miss that key theme, and Brent. You reminded of that, us of that all summer. Uh, don't forget about China. Non-soybean purchases and China. This is this is actually the bright spot for China. Is everything other than soybeans? They've been purchasing a lot of other things and that's been a big part of the story so that's well above anything we've seen in in recent history
1: yeah i think a couple things to take away from it one just how dismal the china soybean trade was in like 18 in particular i mean what a disaster what maybe 3 billion dollars worth of purchases of soybeans as opposed to 14 or something you know yeah. in a in a normal year i mean unbelievable drop so I you know this I think is a real bright spot and we said all along don't get caught up on the absolute target of whether they hit the phase 1 target or not if they get in the ballpark we're going to be happy and I think that's bearing out right now soybean ending inventory is projected just stop and think of how dramatic that shift has been from what a 850 Million bushel carryout on soybeans to less than 200 today. I mean, it's it's night and day. It's really good news for farmers. It's really good news for agribusiness. It's good news, I think, for everybody in agriculture.
0: But it's part of this whiplash that we've seen, right? We went from almost very little purchase. I'm going to say zero, but man, statistically, it was getting very close to zero. And then it just took a long time. For the phase one signing in January, all the way till August, September, till we saw those purchases coming in. And now China's back. So that'll be on our radar screen for 2021. So, Brent, I'll let you pick. We've gone about five minutes, two topics. (laughs) So we're not going to get through the whole list here, but we'll let you pick the next topic that's on your mind.
1: I'm just really interested, personally, is all of the stimulus from both the Federal Reserve from an intellectual standpoint. I'm really. It's just fascinating to watch what they're doing, and to kind of try and think about what the impacts of that are going to be ultimately in the long run. And I I just don't know. And then on the government side, seeing all the fiscal stimulus is really interesting as well. And we're now again to the point where, just today, I think you know we're getting really close to another compromise to see another stimulus package out of Washington. And I think it's definitely needed. I mean, you got Jay Powell just begging congress to do something and i think they need to do it because the impacts of all this i just think are going to have such a long tail even with the vaccine coming it's it's going to take a long time to get things back to normal at least in my mind so you know i think it's really important we get that
0: so i'm going to take oil and i'm going to tie this into (laughs) ethanol and driving patterns we always make interesting headlines about inversions, right? Or carry in the market. And it's always when the markets don't behave what we think they would, right? The interest rates markets have inverted or the carry in the soybeans or corn isn't what it we think they're the carries inverted. Well, oil said move over inversion. We're just gonna go plum negative. And I think this is something that we're gonna see history books and probably some investigations are probably underway. We just don't fully understand it, but the uh, West Texas intermediate contract in April t- briefly traded negative. And a lot of people said, I didn't even know that was a possibility. And we had to write an article saying, well, this these are six reasons why ag commodities probably are different than oil and you shouldn't have to worry about negative. <laughs> but it highlights, and, and one of them is basically you can pile grain up at the edge of a field and you can't pile crude oil at the edge of a field, right? Like that's there's a lot of regulatory, but... Not
1: without getting a lot of trouble.
0: <laughs> not with the EPA paying you a visit, right? But, you know, the first thing I want to mention is we had sort of this unprecedented collapse in, in driving. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. The second thing is there was a big OPEC spat. It's still lingering under the surface. Basically, Russia is saying, nah, we're not going to make our our, cut our production. And, and I think that could actually be an interesting geopolitical thing because the oil thing is always right below the surface. Right. And so they didn't want to cut production and all this came to a head with going negative, but that brings us to ethanol, which, and one sort of made the initial connection of like, Oh, low oil prices is bad for ethanol, but actually it was the driving and the blending. and, And it's really when people aren't driving, they're not blending. So we updated the AEI article on gasoline consumption. And, you know, it's actually pretty abysmal right now. It's not back to April and May levels, but it's the crummiest driving we've seen really since June. We've slipped below 8 million barrels per day. We haven't done that since the middle of June. And I actually think the most sobering is Looking at it as a share or as a percentage of the five-year average, this is pre-COVID levels, and we're down here at 84%. And we haven't been at 84% of average since the recovery there. And for context, we spent a lot of time around 90%. For the year, we're going to finish up about 88 or 89% of the year, but right now we're at 85%. And I think we're going to see you know, this... <sighs> this winter is coming. And Brent and I were laughing about that headline. I use it here, right? This idea of winter is coming. And for the gasoline markets, we just don't drive that much in the winter. And so we're going to see some abysmal headlines coming out of here. And so we got to think about an AFN question about this, but we really have some question marks about what's going to happen in this gasoline side. So one economic activity and two is the ethanol story.
1: It, it is really interesting to see how that has not bounced back maybe a little more strongly than it has. And you just keep in mind, I think your percentage number is really important. Uh, these are inelastic commodities again, remember. So when you start talking like an 80, you know, a 16% decline in demand it has a big impact on prices and, um, uh, something it's going to be really something to watch because i you know there's part of me that's kind of goes well maybe you know there's more incentive to drive than there used to be like take public transportation people don't want to ride public transportation but i think people just aren't going places i'm isolated i'm in the middle of the country i you know i'm in a really rural area i don't see what's happening in the cities but I do know some companies I work with and uh, they're in major cities on both coasts and they're not anticipating going back to office until after the end of the summer. I think this is going to have a long-term drag on it. and, And I don't know ultimately where it goes. Then also, you know, longer term, you've got this whole electric car deal. So there's some major headwinds for ethanol and the short
0: and long term here's some context for this in 2008 uh, we had the recession and gasoline consumption tumbled we were at 98 of the year before in 2012 we had high oil prices and we were at 97 percent of the year before and here we are now at 88 of the five-year average we just don't see these adjustments in history so if you were to sit back and say what's a worst case scenario for U.S. gasoline consumption in 2020, you would have said something like 97 or 98 percent of the year before, and here we are maybe going to get to 90 percent. So it is a huge shock. You know, maybe that is worthy of a black swan conversation, but that is just <laughs> unexpected.
1: I guess it makes me think and i i guess this is a piece of data maybe we should go get for the premium subscribers i wonder what the analogy what's happening to gasoline demand in china i haven't looked at that It would be really interesting to see if they're seeing same kind of shocks shock or whether it's rebounded a little bit ultimately a lot of that growth and gasoline consumption is probably going to be there depending on but big question on that too so anyway
0: you know, it's also interesting. I was thinking about what's going on with jet fuel, right? We see all these airplanes. And I, and so this is another one where we just, the duration of this has just been a lot longer. We wrote those AFN questions about getting over 9 million barrels a day. We briefly did it, right? It was an anomaly. Getting over 10, because there was this story about everyone's going to be driving around all over the place. And we just haven't seen that. So Brent, one more big note from you, and then we're going to wrap up here.
1: So I'm going to cheat. The first thing i say is one of the things I think is just really wild is there's so much that happened. We kind of forget what even happened at the start of the year. But the second thing I'll say is I'll put, I'll say, you know, the development of the vaccine. I mean, it's really unbelievable to me that we, we did that as fast as we did it. Now, David and I, before we recorded this or have a little bit of a debate and he and I have different views on how long it's going to take to get these vaccines rolled out. I'm a little more pessimistic. He's a little more optimistic, but I think you have to step back and say, that's truly amazing what has happened. And the prospects of having a vaccine that fast are really
0: wild. And here's the thing, Brent, we don't even know how to write the question. So we've been thinking about a question for the Ag Forecast Network. What data are we going to have on this? What question do we have? When does it count to be vaccinated, right? Is it the first shot or the second shot? Uh, I read here, in Lafayette, the local doctors are going to get their vaccines here. Uh, over the weekend, they're going to get over a thousand people vaccinated, I think, and then they're going to get another round of it next week. So um... maybe we
1: should bet, David, on when is the first possible chance that I will be able to get vaccinated, and we'll have to like,
0: what the lawden thinks this. Yeah,
1: we'll have to. Um... <laughs> I'll have to have some kind of proof. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I like implied. I'm flight, I'm a little more pessimistic. I think it's going to take a while to get everybody vaccinated. I think it's a huge logistical challenge. And I seriously question whether we're up to it right now, but um, well, I may be wrong.
0: Well, I mean, right. There's normal hospital operations, right? There's this, the hospitals are still busy doing what they do every day. So how are you going to get a thousand people vaccinated in your community over a weekend? Like it's gonna take several people to get that done, and you know, if we get in this country a million people vaccinated a day, which sounds like a big number, it's gonna take us a year to get it done. And oh, by the way, they think we're gonna be moving through this. Yeah, the they, gotta been, twice. You gotta, they gotta do it twice. You gotta do it twice. Twice. So now we're at yeah. two years. If you give if you give a million people their shot. And they're talking about getting a huge part of the population done by may so we're going to move this pretty quickly it looks like we haven't seen anything like this in our lifetime i think that's sort of the yeah. the story there
1: that's so. that's the story and i'm 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 very much a kind of task oriented kind of person a lot of times and i start thinking through well, what's got to happen to get everybody vaccinated by may twice i see man that seems like a lot of challenges to get knocked out of the way And if I ask somebody, when can I get vaccinated? They're going to go, I don't know. And so that's what (laughs) you can not answer that for me. I'm, I'm a little skeptical, but the other side of it is maybe a lot of people won't want to get, you know, we don't know what the take is going to be on the vaccine either. So I I don't know. It's going to be interesting.
0: So Brent, I'm going to put you on the spot. Have you seen the ads? No. So the ads have started, I've seen them on, on social media in the internet but they're basically videos coming from the CDC in different areas talking about what the vaccine is and how it works and how. Huh. So nothing about the logistics yet, but it's this early level communication and marketing sort of, I guess, creating awareness and trying to create some narrative about why the vaccine is important and what it's, what it's going to be. So I'll wrap this up with a little story unless brain you have something else you can follow up with, but my um, son is six and for the holidays uh, had someone, you do a little interview of him. And so it was interesting to watch that. And one of the things that he was asked about was about COVID. So he's six and in kindergarten. He has a lot of, he knows a lot about it, which I was surprised about. Like the other day I even called it Corona and he was like, Oh, the coronavirus, COVID-19. And so one of the things that he talked about in this, this, conversation was it was bad and it's sad because he can't see his family and they had to be careful but at the same time he's like but scientists are working on this vaccine or this medicine that's super powerful and eventually we're going to get it and things are going to be better and i thought like you know what that's kind of a nice way of summarizing what what this is about is like you know scientists are working really hard and they're working for a solution so i think that sometimes is good perspective from a six-year-old as to where we are in the world today so well your
1: your son is like a mini adult so uh, (laughs) that's pretty good uh it is pretty interesting that they can think through all of that and uh pretty amazing the only other big story i would say is check out escaping 1980s podcast david sarah and i are super proud of that product i think if you listen to it, you'll find it very interesting and uh, well done so check it out
0: all seven episodes are done. In fact, I'm working on something, sort of the questions you've all asked us. And one of the questions is, why are you stopping? And it's sort of one of the themes that we had when we started here is we didn't want to create, we have we have this conversation with you all, right? We didn't want to create another uh, outlet. And so it's sort of funny to see the downloads and the views. They're still climbing, but all seven episodes are done. And so we've wrapped up that project, but the conversation will continue and we look forward to to your feedback and your comments and everything else is going to come out of that so escaping 1980 yeah check it out all right thanks everyone for joining us we'll catch you all later on in the meantime stay curious